Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. What's Wagner's rule of life number four? Nothing good happens outside a strip club at 2 o'clock in the morning. I'm sorry, I understand I might be like a dog with a bone on this, but this is just fundamentally wrong. It is an insult, but let's tee this up. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 414-799-1620. I'm sorry, I think this is absolutely ridiculous. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. April 29th, 38 degrees outside. The spring that has not been. And on Saturday... We were told by the National Weather Service and the local meteorologist, Eric Spill said a smile, we were told that we were going to get like eight inches of, of snow, and they kept increasing it. We, you, that we had a winter storm warning, right, Eric, at one point in time? Yeah, it went into it, effect at 10 a.m., was supposed to run it, until 10 It was not an advisory. It was a winter storm warning. In other words, look out, you know, here it comes. And I remember being outside on Saturday morning thinking, huh, well, go run some errands, get it done before the snow comes. Huh, it's 10. Huh, it's midnight. It's noon. Huh, it's 3. And then where I live, I, I would say, I don't know, late afternoon, it started to snow a little bit. Yep, so we yep. did get some snow. And I think it was, I, I live towards the north, so it was a little worse further south. But here, here is what is interesting to me. Look, th- there's no question that as it applies to Milwaukee, this is what you would call a bust forecast. By that, they got it wrong. And and I understand it's it's tough to predict weather, even with millions and millions of dollars of computers. And then you get this like forecast. It's a 50 percent chance it's going to rain like heads. It's going to rain tails. It won't. OK, but you've got a millions of dollars worth of computers. But it but it's tough weather tracks. It moves. You've got the lake, all those different types of things. But Eric Bilstead, can we agree it was a bust forecast for Saturday? <laughs> Are you with me on this one? Well, I, I, I will say it was frustrating. I know for many people, myself included, when you had things scheduled on that day that you canceled well, well, that, assuming the inclement right weather. well that that is uh, that is the point i have a number and that's where i want to go with this i have a number of friends who have kids that are in sporting events and and in general everything was canceled in the middle of the week i mean i, I mean i'm talking about doubleheader baseball games i'm talking about kids soccer games any sort of outdoor activity was pretty much canceled. Um, I, I have a I play in this golf league, okay, and it's not the biggest deal, but but the season opening event was scheduled for Saturday, and they canceled it. And the, the people were explaining to me, well, we're looking at this forecast, and you know the snow is supposed it's supposed to be like you know forty degrees, and then the snow is supposed to start at nine o'clock in the morning. Well, you know we were going to start at seven thirty, but what's the point of? And again, I, I understand it's it, it's just a doubleheader baseball game for the kids that can't be rescheduled or it's a soccer game or you know okay it's the start of a men's outdoor golf league okay b- big deal I-, I get it it's not the the biggest thing in the world but all these outdoor plans were canceled and and because everybody figures well the meteorologists know what they're talking about and and the, the forecast kept getting worse and worse as the week went on and then of course it, it didn't t- you know, further towards the Illinois line, they got a little bit more snow. But around here, it was kind of a non-event, right? You with me on this one? Yeah, I'll give you that. Sure. Okay. All right. So here is here is the question: Were were we premature, given the fact that it's hard to predict weather? And look, meteorologists get it right more than they get it wrong. I mean, I, I want to say that very clearly. But given the fact that it, it's hard to predict weather given the fact that things do, in fact, change. 
you know, are we becoming weather weenies? What was the problem not so much that we trusted the meteorologists and they got it wrong? Is the problem really that we should have just waited? I mean, should we have been canceling outdoor sporting events, you know, for the kids and stuff on Saturday? Should we have been uh, should we have been canceling those on on Wednesday and Thursday in anticipation of something that might or might not have happened? Because you could have had those soccer games in the morning around here. There, there's no question. You could have had that golf outing. You could have had those baseball games because. It just did not materialize like they said it was going to. 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Given the fact that this this happens, not all the time, but given the fact that this happens occasionally where the weather forecasters just flat out get it wrong, I'm thinking maybe the lesson is, Hey, let's not pull the plug too early on these things. Let's not cancel the golf outings. Let's not cancel the baseball games. Let's not cancel the soccer games until we wait and see if what the weather folks say is going to happen is really going to happen. Because I'm, like I say, I'm willing to give them the fact that they're right more often than they're wrong. But Saturday was a day where you could have had the soccer game. Saturday day was a day you could have had the golf outings. Saturday was a day that you could have had the baseball games. And I know that those were canceled. I also know that there's a lot of people, and this is why restaurants, for example, and other businesses that depend on customer traffic, they hate it when you get some of these dire weather forecasts because people cancel their plans. Oh, my God, it's going to be snowmageddon. You know, here we're going to cancel our reservations or we're going to cancel this and that. And then it doesn't turn out to be anywhere near as bad as it was. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm glad we didn't get eight inches of snow. I'm thrilled that we didn't get eight inches of snow, but I, I guess are we becoming weather weenies? Should we cancel plans in anticipation of a forecast or knowing that it's tough to predict these things and knowing that, you know, occasionally they're really, really wrong? Should we wait? 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And I'm thinking maybe that this is one of the lessons that just because you see a forecast, and even though they're predicting dire things, maybe the lesson is we don't need to pull the plug until, I don't know, the day of the event, until it actually starts to rain or until it actually starts to snow. You can be aware of it. You can be mindful of it. You can anticipate that, well, it doesn't look like we're going to be able to get this event in. But given given the fact that they're wrong, at least occasionally, should we be waiting? 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And maybe that is the lesson of this weekend that, you know, perhaps, you know, you, you want to wait until this actually happens until the storm actually starts, maybe we want to do that before we decide to cancel plans or cancel all these active outdoor activities or cancel your restaurant reservations. Maybe that's the lesson that we have here. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right. Should we should we just delay a little bit canceling the things? You get a dire forecast for Saturday and it's Wednesday. Do you want to maybe hold off until you see what actually happens? Ken and Franklin. Ken, you're first. Good afternoon. Hey, Jeff. How are you doing? Good. Yeah, I was just telling you, Screener. Uh, years ago, I'm an old guy. 
older than you. And <laughs> oh, my God, old-timer, a real old-timer yeah. there. Okay. <laughs> and years ago, we'd get, you know, 10 inches of snow, and they would say, oh, we're going to get 10 inches of snow. But lately, the last five, six years, all stations, yours mainly, but because I only listen to you guys, mm-hmm. it's like stomachgeddon, we're all going to die, and uh, mm-hmm. things will be terrible. Well, I guess... It, it, so I guess the question would be, do, do we, and I'm talking about the, the public, I mean, do we need to be cautious when you get those, those things and say, okay, maybe I'm going to plan ahead and I'm going to make sure I've got that salt, but I'm not going to cancel my restaurant reservations for Saturday night because, you know, maybe it's not going to be as bad as they're saying. Jeff, really, five years or ten years ago, when you, we were going to get four inches. Did you cancel anything? Uh, no, <laughs> no, 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 I, I, no, thanks for calling. See, Ken, I mean, I think that does tie into one of my basic premises. And I, I do think collectively we're becoming weather weenies that, you know, we're, we're, we just, we, we freak out. I mean, I do this, I, I do a bit every, every year when we're about to get the first snowfall and people are, are running and, and you have runs on milk and bread and people are just buying out everything there is in the store. Well, okay, this is 2019. You know, even if we get a blizzard for goodness sakes, you're going to be able to get out to the store the next day. We do snow removal relatively well around here. You're not going to be snowed in for weeks and weeks, but people freak out. So it's kind of how, you know, we process it. Does weather get a lot of attention on all stations, including ours? Absolutely. And one of the reasons is because people want to know. It's something that affects us all. You know, you might, some people might be interested in sports. Some people might be interested in politics. Some people might be interested in finance. You know, it doesn't matter. But we all care about weather because it it affects us. And I understand. And, and so I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that it shouldn't be prioritized, but the the real reality is, I mean, this isn't San Diego where, you know, it's going to be 75 and 80 and sunny, you know, every day, and it's not going to change. I mean, we have very changeable weather. I appreciate that the meteorologists have a really, really tough job, but I'm thinking maybe the lessons of, you know, some of the, the very high-profile bus forecasts, including the one from last weekend, is, you know, maybe – Maybe we want to just delay changing all our plans and canceling events three or four days in advance because sometimes they're wrong. Now, in fairness, earlier this year, remember when we had that polar vortex and they were telling us, oh, you're going to get all the snow and it's going to be 20 below with a 50 degree below zero wind chill? They nailed it. They were absolutely right. So this isn't a criticism of meteorologists. It's a recognition that what they do is tough. But because what they do is tough, you know, maybe we shouldn't have been canceling all those soccer games or anything else. Here's a text. Jeff, canceling things earlier in the week was clearly premature and imprudent. But with regard to outdoor sporting activities, despite late onset of March, less snow than forecast, who really wanted to play soccer or baseball in the raw, windy, 35-degree weather that persisted all day regardless? I, I, I understand, and that's... That's a decision, you know, that's a decision that, you know, people could end up making. But, I mean, we do play soccer in inclement weather. Jeff, the only reason to cancel something super early is to give people the opportunity to make alternative plans. In the case of a snowstorm, the only alternative plan is to stay home and watch TV or play board games. Wait until the storm actually does something significant before canceling events. Right, right, right. When we come back... All right, it's the Internet, 
It's the big movie sensation of the weekend, and it's people who are angry. Stick around. I'll tell you all about it. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Okay, Gru, who is producing the show today and always, you are nervous about this next topic. I, you are. Okay, so we're, we're, we're going to do some disclosures beforehand, but you are nervous about this next topic. Yes. All right. Here, here, is, here is why. The big, the big movie of the weekend setting all-time box office records is Avengers Endgame, which is the wrap-up of the, the last 22 Marvel movies. Uh, we talked about the show a little bit on Friday. It, it runs a little bit over three hours in length. $1.2 billion in box office worldwide. That just blows the doors off for any, any, um, previous, you know, records. I have not seen it yet. I am seeing it. Fran and I are going. We got tickets for five o'clock this evening. You and Mrs. Grew are going to go see it. You got tickets for seven o'clock. Yep. That's right. So we have not seen it. Now, you do not know how the movie ends. You don't, you don't know anything about the plot, right? Uh, right. Besides, you know, what I've seen on television. Right. Okay. All right. I, on the other hand, have not managed to remain spoiler free. I, I know what happens, but it, it doesn't bother me. I, I still, I, I'll be able to enjoy the movie. But, but there's a number of people who, who don't want to know what happened. You know, they, they call them, they, they call them spoilers. And there's a number of people, my producer included, who spent the better part of the weekend just trying to avoid taking in, you know, reading stories or reviews or checking out stuff on the Internet that tell you what what happens in the movie. And I don't think it's any secret to say, because one of the things that's been touted is, you know, are there character deaths? Are some of these do major some of these major heroes? Do, does anybody die? And who is it? You know, which of the characters die? And, and that's kind of the, the, the big thing that's out there. So. All right. Spoiler free. What's happened is over the weekend, there are there's been two things. A couple of newspapers, including the Washington Post, in their headlines on their stories. So that it's not even like here we're doing a story on the Avengers Endgame. Um, this don't, don't read it if you don't want to know. In one of the headlines of one of the stories they sent out, it gives away a. It gives away a huge plot point, including it identifies a character who dies. And I'm not going to we're not we're going to do a spoiler free show here, but it, it identifies a character who dies. So if if you followed the Washington Post on Twitter, you got this headline and you kind of look at it and now, you know, this major plot point. All right. Um, a number of other people, including this guy who's this running back, LaShawn McCoy for the Buffalo Bills. He takes to Twitter, and of course he's a football player, so he's got thousands and thousands of people who follow him. He goes on Twitter, and he, to all his thousands and thousands of followers, he sends out his comment about the movie, including how the movie ends. So you have all these people who didn't want to know how the movie ends, but they now have no choice because, again, you get the Twitter thing, you click on it, and boom, you know, there it is. <laughs> you know, there it is. Santa Claus dies at the end of the movie. Huh. So now some people consider this to be ruined. Our number is 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. This has led to this huge discussion about whether or not people – after the movie comes out, 
And it is a movie that is such a social phenomenon. I mean, again, $1.2 billion in, in in box office. So there's all sorts of people who, you know, were staying up late, seeing this Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Is it, once that movie opens, is it reasonable to expect that people aren't going to share what happens in it? So in other words, are the people, you know, on the internet, the people who check their Twitter feeds and, and see this Washington Post headline or see somebody that they follow who happens to have erped up how the movie ends, do they have a legitimate right to be upset or hey, this is life, get over it. It's just, you know, what did you think was going to happen? You know, once once all these people started showing it, you know, you're no matter how you try to avoid finding out what happened, it's going to happen. Just go enjoy the movie. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And if you call up, please, 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 do not give the, if you've seen the movie, do not do not disclose the ending to my poor, long-suffering producer who's going to be screening the calls. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I think... It is a jerk move to take to social media and discuss the ending of that movie. You know, I mean, I however many people follow me on Twitter, if I had seen the show on Friday night, I might have tweeted whether I enjoyed the movie or not, or I might have sent a picture of, like, Fran and I sitting there eating popcorn and our diet sodas and stuff, but I, I would not have tweeted the ending i wouldn't have done it because i think that that's a jerk move now at some point in time after the movie's been out a week two weeks a month you know if you want to talk about it i I think at some point in time you know if, if you haven't seen the movie yet i'm sorry there's nothing we can do but over the weekend i think it's a jerk move 414-799-1620 joe and appleton joe you're first good afternoon good afternoon sir what do you think okay is it a jerk move to tweet out the the ending of the movie the first couple days it opens i say boo-hoo to you um i get i get bummed out on this every year during the practice season at least three or four times when i am not able to catch the game live and i want to watch it i can't go without seeing it so if you don't want to see it tell you what put technology down for a little while and go through life without technology and you'll be just fine okay so you think it's 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 the fault. You don't think there's anything wrong with with giving up the ending of a movie the first weekend it opens? You know, in this day and age, no, I really don't. I mean, it's it, whether I were to do it, whether you were to do it, whether a newspaper does it, whether whatever ABC XYZ does it, it's going to get out there. And yeah. if you're on social media, if you're reading the news now, like you just commented, what provoked this story? You can't even read the news without without missing it anymore so right well at least almost I mean, unavoidable well thanks well i guess it is I, I mean look and i understand if you're trying if 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 you are let's say you're doing something on a sunday afternoon and the packers are playing and you've recorded the game and and you don't want to find out you know how how the the outcome is i understand you know you pretty much have to make yourself a hermit but that's but that's that's different to me that's a live sporting event and the reality is people are going to be talking about that is that different than a movie? 414-799-1620. All right, do spoilers really spoil it? And again, for me, it's not that big a deal. I, I know the, the basic plot line of the movie, and I know the points, and I'm still going to enjoy it. All right, we're going to take a quick break. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 
So very glad to have you with us. Regardless of whether it's an incredibly popular movie, like the Avengers movie that opened over the weekend, or an incredibly popular TV show like, say, The Sopranos when it ended, I think, I think it is a jerk move to immediately take to the Internet and without warning, um, immediately just erp out how the movie ends or how The Sopranos ends or, or whatever, because there are people that are consciously trying to avoid learning that. And and what happened over the weekend is whether it was a Washington Post headline that they tweeted out, so people, I mean, it's not even like they give them a warning, don't read the story if you don't want to see spoilers, but it's here, you know, you, you open your Twitter account, there it is, the headline is right there. I, I, think, I think that's a jerk move. Now, how long you wait, I, I don't know. That's open to discussion. You know, do you wait a week? What What's the appropriate time? But doing it right away, I understand why people got upset. There was a story out of Europe. Some guy got beat up because he was apparently leaving the theater. You know, so you've got the line of people waiting to get in to see the movie, and he starts yelling the ending, Santa Claus dies. Santa Claus isn't the Avengers Endgame, but Santa Claus. And the crowd turned on him, I guess. It just got really, really ugly. You would un- you understand that. Yeah, I would, yeah, I would. I would. You would not partake. be happy. You would not be happy, Mary, in on the northwest side. Hi, Mary. You're on WTMJ. Well, hi, Jeff. It's nice to speak with you. Thanks for calling. Um, probably about thirty-five or so years ago, I was bowling on a Friday night, and I had taped my favorite show, Dallas. Okay. And uh, breathlessly waiting to see who shot Jr. Oh, at the the cliffhanger yeah, at the end of the second season. Yeah. Okay. All that time, all those, all those hours, and everything else, just to boil down to that one minute, and couldn't wait to get home to watch it on my VCR. Right. And, <laughs> I remember those. Yep, oh, you had yeah. to tape in there. Okay, yeah, it's we rolling. Yep. To have them at that time too. Yep. Uh, and uh, the Joker behind the bar put on the loudspeaker. It was Kristen. Oh, right. Sue Ellen's sister. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not proud I knew that, by the way. But yeah, it was yeah, Sue Ellen's well, sister. Yeah. I, I, I think it's a little late for <laughs> right. to blow the whistle on that one. But yeah, yeah I, I remember going home so ticked off. And I thought, you know, and this was how many years ago. Right. And I, and I just think you know, in this day and age, if you don't want to know, don't look for anything. Well, that's kind of that's kind of thing. You have to. I mean, because they're going to, you're just right. going to find out otherwise. Right, there, right. There's absolutely no other way. Now, I mean, the see, I guess I think if you're trying to figure out, if you're trying to avoid finding out like who won a Packers game because you've taped it, well, good luck with that. That then my advice is turn yeah. off the radio. Don't turn off. The, don't turn on the yeah. TV because everybody's talk talking about. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Don't talk to anybody. But I don't know. I mean, would you? There, there's no way in, in God's green earth that I would, if I had seen the movie on Friday, there's no way I would have sent out on Twitter, oh, you know, Santa Claus dies at the end of this movie. I just wouldn't have done it. I wouldn't either. Yeah. Okay. Now, thanks pretty to, nasty. Yeah. Thanks to, well, again, I, I don't know what the decent time to wait is, but the, the first day or two. But in any event, um, this Buffalo Bills running back, this LaShawn McCoy, apparently the, the reaction in the Twitterverse was um harsh including all these people that are like unfollowing him and things like that because they're hacked off because they wanted to not know what happened like i say i'm one of those guys that really doesn't matter because i i i know the basic plot line and i think i know what happens but i'm still going to enjoy seeing it grew my wife has never seen any of the avengers movies she's never seen any of the marvel movies so she's going with me tonight so we'll we'll see we'll see how that works out all right Let us completely and totally switch gears for this topic.
I need you to be brutally honest with me. Okay, it's not going to work if you're going to say what you think people want. What I think, if you're going to say what I what you think I think you want to say, or what you think people want to hear, you've got to be honest. Okay, here's the deal. Story comes from Grand Haven, Michigan. Grand Haven is um, just on the other side of the lake. Our broad, our our signal probably goes to Grand Haven. Grand Haven is just about 20 minutes, 20 miles south of Muskegon. So, okay, just on the other side of the lake. Here is the deal. All right, the other night, what happens? This is Thursday night. Guy has literally a box of money. I don't know what he was doing with the box of money or where he got the box of money, but he has a box of money that has about $30,000 in it. Now, I've never had a box of money that had $30,000 in it, but I, and but but this guy does. So he's got this box of money with $30,000 in it, and he's taking it somewhere. I don't know if he's taking it to a night depository at a bank or to home or what. I don't know. He's got a box with $30,000 in it, and he's getting into his truck. And you know what happens sometimes where you're, like, juggling things? Happens to me all the time. Like, I'm coming into work, and I've got my briefcase, and I've got my coffee cup, and I've got something else I'm carrying, and you're juggling things. And and maybe you put that coffee cup on the top of your car, and you forget it. Okay, well, this guy's got his box of money. He puts it on uh, the bumper of his truck and forgets that he has put the box of money on the bumper of his truck. Hmm. Okay. He then drives away with the box of money on the bumper of his truck. The box of money, however, does not stay on the back of his truck, the bumper of his truck, for very long. And as soon as he gets out in the public roadway, the box of money blows off, falls off his truck, and opens up, and it is raining money. There's money all over the, the roadways, at which point in time, um, the way the police kind of describe it, um, it is it is a free for all on on the roadway because you have everybody who is now stopping their car in the road and they're they're chasing money. I mean, it, it's kind of like, you know, when they do the T-shirt drop at the at the uh, at Fiserv, you know, and people are ra- running to grab a T-shirt. Well, this is this is people. They are stopping their car in the road both ways and they're out and everybody's trying to scoop up the money now most of them aren't trying to scoop up the money to give it back to this guy what they're doing is they're trying to scoop up the money so they can put it into their own pockets so you have this like free-for-all people stopping their cars every cars all over the road people running trying to, to track down the, this money all right <laughs> the police then they show up they're closing down the road because all you've got all these people there there was thirty thousand dollars in the in this box which has been scattered all right the police once they get there they start trying to scoop up the dough as well and they are able to collect two thousand four hundred and seventy dollars okay so they're they're able so let's round it up to twenty five hundred so there's still twenty seven thousand five hundred dollars missing 
The police department says anybody that picked up the money is asked to turn it in at the Grand Haven Department of Public Safety. And then they say all money has been removed. Treasure hunters are directed not to stop and walk in traffic lanes, etc., etc. All right. They know who lost the money. They know it was, in fact, this guy's money. And they know that people scooped up $27,500. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I need you to be brutally honest. All right. If you were on the road that night and you jumped out of your car and you grabbed some of this money, would you turn it in? 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. The police say anybody that turns in the money will, will not be charged or anything like that. So, But at the same time, they also don't know who has this money. I mean, it's, it's you're not going to be caught. You're not going to be identified. If, if you were able to scoop up $500 of this guy's money or $1,000 or $2,000, the truth of the matter is they're not going to be able to catch you in all likelihood. Would you turn the dough in? 414-799-1620. Be honest. We discuss in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Number of texts. Here's one. Not only would I turn in the money, I wouldn't have been there trying to scoop it up in the first place. I'm a stay-at-home mom, and money is scarce. But I would never take or keep money that isn't mine. Yes, it sounds tempting. Yes, we could use it. No, I wouldn't have done it. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Let's start with Keith in Pewaukee. Hi, Keith. Hey, thanks for taking my call, Jeff. Sure. Okay. All right. So that that's you. You've stopped. There's money floating all over. What are you going to do with that dough now that we know who it belongs to? Oh, uh, there's two reasons I would give it back. You said that you already said the first, the main reason. You know who it belongs to. Right. If you didn't know who it belonged to and it wasn't reported, then it's tough, tough luck, Tommy. You know it's right. Yeah. And the second minor reason is I don't really need the money. But if I was really, really strapped. Then I would have second thoughts. I don't know. Yeah, but okay. The thing, well, there, I mean, I guess there's always that. But you know, a number of texters, a word that is appearing in multiple texts that I'm receiving is is the word karma. And I'm I'm a big believer in, in karma. And karma can be a you know you know what. And I, I guess you know m- maybe maybe our our opinions perhaps are colored by you know how desperate are you financially and all, but. You know, it's one of those things where you know who the owner is, and I appreciate what you're saying, Keith, the idea that, okay, well, I, you know, I found some money, you know, stuck on a park bench, and there's no, under a park bench, and there's nobody around, and I have no idea who this belongs to. Um, in this particular case, though, you know who it belongs to. It's kind of like if you found somebody's wallet, and it's got all their identification in it, and it's got 400 bucks in it as well, would you really keep the 400 bucks? Matt in Muskego. Matt, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi. Uh, pretty Matt. much just like the last caller, if I knew who it was for, I would turn it in. But if the cops were just putting out something, uh, well, not if they were putting out something, but it's like if I didn't know who it was for, I wouldn't necessarily turn it in to the cops because then it would just go to nowhere, presumably. Okay, but but if, but, but if it's for, like the, the, the police identify, we know who the owner of this is, we know who the truck is, this is the story, so we know who this money belongs to. In that case, you're you're turning it in. Yeah, that case I'm turning in. Otherwise, you're a horse is behind. Uh, yeah. <laughs> who, who? You know, next time you lose your wallet or something like this, you know, do, just expect karma to kick you in in your behind. Okay, thanks for the call four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. I want people to, you know, I, I want people to be honest here. Let's talk to Jim in Mount Pleasant. Jim, you're on WTMJ. Hey, 
Hey, Jeff, how you doing? Real well, thank you. What would you do? Be honest. I, oh, I am. I, I would absolutely keep it because I'm on disability. I only get the single check, you know, once a month on the third. And I know there's a lot more people that make a whole lot more than I do, including yourself. And yeah, and I would say that it would be a blessing because if the money just if the money is just out there just blowing around anonymously, and I quite say, you know, I wouldn't be the only one out there grabbing the money. I think it'd be a blessing, and I believe Jesus would forgive me, and He would understand why I would do that. Plus, the idiot should have the money in a lockbox yeah. in case that would happen. It would fall off the bumper, and there would be no harm, no foul. Oh, okay, Jim. All right, I, and I appreciate your candor. Let let us say that the guy. I, I mean, I don't know the story behind the thirty grand. But what if it's what if this thirty grand was his his family home was on the verge of foreclosure, and this was the money that had to be delivered to the bank by you know eight o'clock the next morning, or the kids would be out on the streets, and this was the guy's life savings. Okay, are you keeping it really? Oh, I, I feel your point there. I really, okay, okay, okay. If I find that out after the fact, if I find out after the fact, then I would return it. Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. Now that we'll see. I mean, I guess I, I, I guess that's that's what I ask. And I, I, I mean, look, I, I understand. You know, you're walking through a parking lot and you see, you know, a twenty dollar bill on the ground and there's nobody around and there's nobody to claim it. I get putting that that money in your pocket. I and I, I would probably do the, the same thing. But I, I don't know. It the, the money's not yours and, and we all do stupid things. And was it a stupid thing to leave the box on your bumper? Yeah, but I guess my problem is I, I, I don't know. Do I decide, well, I need that money more than this person does, so I have the right to keep it? Well, it's it's not my money. <laughs> it's it's just not my money. Mary in Yorkville. Hi, Mary. You're on WTMJ. I would give the money back because it's not my money, and you don't know what the man had the money for or where he got it. Not my business. But the Christian thing to do is give it back because it does not belong to you, and you knew where it came from. Yeah, that's I, I guess that's see that's the the defining thing to me. I mean, if I if I found somebody's wallet, for example, you know, on the ground, and I I see oh this is you know somebody I recognize this name. This is somebody who's you know worth a lot of money. I I don't think that gives me the right to keep it. <laughs> you know, it's just like I mean, it it just doesn't matter. Okay, does, does do I maybe need the money more than he does? Well, well maybe, but that's not really for me to say. It's not my money. I guess I I just don't think I could sleep at night if I kept that. I that it is something that would bother me till my dying day. Well, what if it happened to myself with right. my money in a clue? I would want people to return it to me. So. Well, well, yeah, I, right. I mean, you, you. I mean, it, it's sort of the golden rule, you know. You want to be treated like you, you want to treat by you want you treat others like you'd like to be treated yourself. Yeah. I, th- thanks for call. Now, I mean, the interesting update on this story is, okay, so they know who the thirty grand is. They know they they know they lost thirty grand. They know who it belongs to. They recovered about twenty five hundred dollars. This is the police. So there's still like twenty seven five missing. All right. Um, so they put out this request saying, you know, give us money back. Okay. So here, here's the deal. As of at least today, the numbers I have, two teenagers scooped up $630 and they turned it in. They turned that in and a woman gave up nearly 3900 So they've recovered about $4,500. 
plus the other 2500 so carry the two. So they've got about $7,000 of the $30,000 that was returned in, and the other twenty three grand is just pretty much in people's pockets. And I guess I, I, I appreciate the candor as to whether you turn it in or not. I, I like to think I would turn it in. I, well, first of all, I'm not sure I'd be stopping my car in the first place on the roadway and, and see the grew you like that. Yet. That's that's the thing. If I'm getting out of my car and I'm like on the freeway picking up dollar bills, risking my life, and I get like, I don't know, two hundred dollars from it, you're keeping it. I'm keeping that money. But you're getting okay. But you're getting out of your car in the first place. Oh, exactly. there's money here. You're getting out of exactly. the car, dodging cars to try to to track down the money. I'm not sure I'm getting out of my car in the first place, but once once I know that it belongs to somebody else, I guess I just have that that little man that that little voice that talks to you right before you're you're going to fall asleep at night, and that little man would say, Jeff, you know I, you know just you, regardless of how badly you need that money or not, it's just not yours. But. But again, that's just me. So seven thousand dollars or so is going back to the rightful owner. And don't get me wrong; I mean, the guy. How how can you you know how can you do something like this? But we've all probably done some bonehead things. Hopefully, not with thirty thousand dollars. This is Jeff Wagner. Stick around. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City. This is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. So glad to have you with us. 39 degrees outside. Yeah, well, this is spring in Wisconsin. All right, here, here's the deal. The story comes to us from Las Vegas, but it could happen anywhere, especially given the, the advent of, and development of technology. Um, six-year-old boy who is autistic, he's nonverbal, so not able to communicate verbally. Um, he had been, He had been allegedly beaten with a wooden pointer stick by his teacher. And the teacher had, in fact, been arrested. Okay, The parents are concerned about, obviously, what's going on at the school. So what they do is they go out and they get one of these GPS tracking devices. Maybe you've heard of these. that They've been developed um, for really for Alzheimer's patients. And you can put somebody, you can put one of these tracking devices on Alzheimer's patients, and it can allow you to tell where the person is in case they wander away. One of the other features of these tracking devices is that they have a recorder. So you can listen, and I, I guess it's really a transmitter. You, you can listen in to what's happening. So what these parents want to do is they want to, they want to make sure their kid is okay. So they go and they get one of these GPS tracking devices with the transmitter in it, and they want to put it on their kid when they send their kid to school because they want to be able to monitor what is going on on the bus, they want to be able to monitor what's going on in the classroom because their, their six-year-old son isn't going to be able to communicate that to them. So they, they don't do this in secret. They, they tell the school district, here, this is what we're going to do. We have this transmitter. We're going, to, we're going to deliver it. I think they should have every right to do this. But the school district says, well, well wait a second. You know, wait a second, if you're sending your kid to school with this transmitter, which could also be a recorder, you know, that's got that capability, we're concerned that you might violate the privacy rights of other students and teachers because this transmitter, this device, it's like a microphone, and it picks up 
not only what's going to be said in the classroom to the autistic child, but also if other kids are, are for example, talking. They're at the they're at a lunch table, for example, and the autistic child is there and he's wearing this device, you're going to be able to overhear what the other kids say. And the school district says, well, you know, no, 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 we're not going to let you send your kid to school with this microphone because we're concerned that it it might pick up stuff not directly related to your child and also because we are concerned about the privacy rights of, of the teachers. All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. Now, the child can't communicate what goes on. The parents, they want to be able to have a record of, of this. And if there's a teacher that's beating their kid with a, a stick or there's other children that are bullying their six-year-old autistic kid, they want to know about it. But it is true You send the kid to school with this device and it's going to pick up, you know, it's going to pick up what other kids say to him, etc. Should the parents be allowed to send their kid to school wearing this microphone? 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. The family also says, um, by the way, our, our son sometimes wanders from class and we want to be able to track him and and we want to be able to yeah we admit we want to be able to listen in on him periodically should the parents be able to do that 414-799-1620 that's the accurate mortgage talk and text line you know, my answer is yes and i think this is not so much about privacy rights this is about a school district wanting to cover its butt 414-799-1620. What do you think? We discuss in just a moment. Gru is lining up the calls. If you're on the line, please hold on. This particular case, I understand exactly where the parents are coming from. They want to know what's being directed at their kid. All right. If you're on the line, please hold on. Back with more calls in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. Rich in Milwaukee. Rich, you're first. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, sir. How are you doing? I am well, thank you. Okay, so the parents, the kid is autistic, six years old, can't communicate what is happening to him, so they want to send him with to school with one of these devices that tracks where he is and also lets them listen in. Should they be able to do that? Absolutely. I totally go for it. Um, I know there are a couple of uh, laws that do protect people due to uh, uh, tapping, but I definitely agree with it. And uh, to prove a point of how effective this can be, um, especially in special needs classrooms, uh, there was recently a case that came out all over the news about a mother that sent uh, their their students with their recording device um, without letting the school know. And when she reviewed um, mm-hmm. you know, the, uh, the tape, she found some uh, very interesting things that were going on in the classroom that should not be going on, mm-hmm. and the students were not getting properly uh, attended to and treated with. Well, and I, I remember a story from a I remember a local story from a couple years ago where it was the school bus driver that was screaming at and you know terrorizing some of these special needs kids, and the parents put the recorder in the kid's backpack, and the only way they were able to verify it was because they came up with that recording. I guess I didn't have any problem with that. I mean, it it's it exposed mistreatment of a kid who couldn't otherwise tell anybody about it. 
Absolutely. Um, and then, you know, a lot of people will go ahead and say, no, that's not right. That's not good because, you know, it could pick up something else. But what if that picks up something that can be a school threat? You never know. And then if something bad happens, um, you know, it's never right until something bad happens to that person. Okay, right. Thanks for the call. All right, now the, here's the flip side. I have a text here. Jeff, I would oppose this. If my special needs children is the same classroom, I don't want his or her privacy compromised. So in other words, I don't want, I don't want this child, um, who's wearing this device to infringe on the privacy of, of my child. Now, it, the, the way the law works in Nevada, uh, let's not get into the listening stuff, but the way the law works is you, you have to have, like, one-party consent. For example, if if Gru and I would be talking, as long as I consent, I don't have to tell him that I'm recording the conversation. This is a general rule. There's a special rule for schools. But I don't have to tell him I'm recording it, but I, I have to... Uh, at least as long as I am doing it, and it's one party consensual. Now, what I guess they're concerned about is that maybe the kid could be sitting at the lunch table and he could pick up and they could overhear conversations that a couple of the other kids were having. But at the same time, if you're having these in a public place, the teachers could overhear. Other classmates could overhear. Is this really violating any sort of right of privacy? 414-799-1620. Tony in New Berlin. Tony, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Uh, good morning. Uh, yes, think? I totally disagree uh, with the previous caller. I think there is a privacy issue. And I think that uh, if they're that concerned, um, well, then they should talk to the principal and the administration and see if they can do something about it. But you can't step on other people's rights and just go and do things on your own, especially when, it, when there's other people involved. Thank you. Have a good day. Oh. Uh, I, I just don't agree with, with the parent. I understand where you're coming from, but uh, you're infringing on other people's okay, rights. Okay, tell me and- what, what, other, what other people's rights are you infringing on? What, well, what, what if what if there's a kid that's dressed funny and a parent puts it up on Facebook and, and then the kid gets made fun of by other students? I mean, anything like that, anything like that. I mean, another parent does not have the right to record another child without the other parent's consent. Well, but what if, what if like the that. well, what if the but it, what if it's the kid talking? If it's the other child that's talking, do you, all right. Well, how do you square this? Do you think that kids should be able to? Um, have cell phones in hallways, for example, man, because that's what we see nowadays. Every time there's a fight in a school or or something, you know, cell phones in school. Okay. I don't. I'm not allowed to have my cell phone on the plant floor of my job, and I'm an adult. Right. Kids should not be able to have phones in school. They're there to learn. They're not there to go on Facebook or text or anything else. Those phones should be left in their locker all day. Okay. Do you Just think like that, I'm required to at my job? Okay. Well, thanks for calling. I don't. I, I understand. I guess to me, remember one of the reasons we know about a lot of the stuff that goes on in these schools is everybody has cell phones nowadays, and everybody videos it. And I think Tony makes an interesting point about should you be made to leave the cell phones in the locker? In this particular case, and I will tell you something that is compelling to me is that the the child is nonverbal. The child cannot communicate the things that happen to him here's how i would handle it i would i would just notify everybody and that's what the parents try to do you tell the teachers you tell the school and you tell the other parents he's wearing this gps tracking device that also it is a recorder and so at that point in time everybody is on notice that if you're going to talk around the kid 
well, all right, it, it might be being recorded, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And I, I guess I, I see the I see the downside of that to be so minimal that some parents are going to hear some other kid saying something and they're going to misuse it. Now, if the other kid is coming up and is bullying him or whatever, this is really the only way that you're going to be able to identify that that because the, the child isn't going to be able to tell. And I hearken back to some of the conversations we were. I, again, I remember some of these cases. This special needs kid who was was coming home from school absolutely terrified, and the parents couldn't figure out why until they put the recorder in the kid's backpack and it finds out that it's the bus driver who's screaming at him all right here's a text jeff one of my biggest fears is the parent of a young adult on the autistic spectrum who is also nonverbal. is that anyone could do anything to him and he could never tell me except indirectly through his response to that person after the fact during grade school he had a teacher who was removed from the classroom for acts that harm children much like the boy in the news it seems that the rights and safety of these kids should be the utmost priority and how private would the overheard conversations be if he was able to hear them? Yeah, a verbal child could tell their parents all about it. Why should mine not be able to do that? Let's talk to Matt in Burlington. Hi, Matt. You're on WTMJ. Hey, good afternoon. What do you think? Um, uh, well, for three quick points, but the first one, I agree that cell phones have no business in schools. I didn't have those back in the late 80s, early 90s. I think they should be in lockers. Any kids that pull them out record, uh, they should have those videos taken off their phones. But quickly, the school's been put on notice because the story's made the news. Right. So if the teacher truly is doing something wrong, they're going to be a complete idiot to continue to either not intervene or do something to the child. Mm-hmm. Secondly, the parents have the right to change schools. And thirdly, when I visit my son's school who's six, so I do have a child, I will visit him at lunchtime and surprise him uh, with all of his friends. I like to take pictures of him to send to my ex-wife and my family. Mm-hmm. And I do the courtesy of blurring out any other students or cropping mm-hmm. them out before saying the family in case sure. it makes on social media. I don't believe any children should ever be recorded or videoed. If there's a concern, administration, law enforcement can go in after hours and put recording devices in and they can do it through those channels, not freelancing as a parent. What if your what if your kid with special needs couldn't communicate and your child was being bullied either by other kids or by or by a teacher? But let, let's even say other kids. But your child can't communicate that I would like to see that recording device, something that was sponsored or endorsed or set up by administration or law enforcement and not just a, a parent doing it just to record to know on their own. I'd like to see a more official uh, mm-hmm. body or more official individual doing it and doing the actual investigation instead of just a parent trying to play uh, a gumshoe uh, investigator on their own. What do you think the downside of the parents send it? What do you think the downside of the recording is? So if the parents hear something else that could be damning or damaging to a child, later used for blackmail if the kids are involved in activities for sports together, holding on those recordings for a long time, let's say another child wants to run for, you know, go into college and play professional, uh, semi-pro, collegiate, or pro sports, or run for government, what if something down the road those recordings are out there from a child saying something at a very young age? I just don't think it's appropriate for parents to record other kids okay. without all those individual parents I, okay, I, I understand, Matt. I guess I'm, I'm going to be less simple. We're talking about a six-year-old nonverbal autistic kid, and I guess if, if there if there are other kids in the classroom that, for example, are on the bus 
or on the playground that are are terrorizing the, the kid. If if he wasn't special needs, if he if he wasn't nonverbal, he could go and he could tell the teachers or he could tell mom and dad, "Hey, you know, Melissa's been picking on me," or or whatever. He could report that. The problem is because of, of his disability, he can't do that. And so, what the parents are trying to do is they're, they're trying to. I think figure out what's going on and verify it and document it. I guess I, I'm sorry. I still stay with the parents on this particular one. Now, I do think it's fair to say to to notify everybody. All right, you, you send a note to all the other parents. Look, this is what's happening. He has this GPS tracking device, and it can, by the way, be a recorder. So everybody knows this. If you're going to interact around him, or you're going to bully him, or you're going to say things with to him, you know he. he it could be recorded somewhere. I guess I think that's the way you you handle it. Um, otherwise, otherwise, there's nobody to stand up and there's nobody to necessarily verify what's happening to the kid. This is Jeff Wagner. Back for more. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. So very glad to have you with us. It's one thirty-seven. Yeah, I'm listening to Melissa describe this, and I'm I, I, I'm rethinking my evening plans here because I, I'm just I am just afraid that my wife is going to be completely bored and lost and unhappy. And what do they say? Happy wife, happy life. And, and she, she'll be a trooper about this. But I don't know. Maybe maybe this is one where I might say, "Hun, you know, you just want to send me off on on my own, and I'll go watch the movie by myself." I don't know. We will see. All right. Here is the deal. This is, again, the story, it's actually from Cudahy, but the guy that was involved in committing the criminal activity was from Milwaukee, and and it's close. You might have seen this story. There's a a woman. Her name is Jennifer Clark, and she's the owner of a a bakery. They do cupcakes and stuff. It's called Jen Sweet Treats. Um, Yesterday morning. Yesterday morning, a little bit, what, around uh, almost 8 o'clock in the morning, she's outside of her, her place on Packard and Layton. And apparently what happens is a guy comes up, 34-year-old guy comes up and tries to carjack her. What he does is she's in the car. He comes up and he tries to pull her out of the car to try to steal the, the car. Now, she had her um, shoulder belt and her seat belt on. Um, the door was open because she was just leaving, but he's trying to pull pull her out of the car. This is like 8 o'clock on a Sunday morning, and when he couldn't pull her out, he started hitting her in the face. Now, this 34-year-old Milwaukee man, before he attacked the, the lady, what he'd apparently done is he'd attacked a 75-year-old man and beaten him relatively badly. The guy was waiting for for the bus at a, at a nearby bus stop. So he attacks him, beats him, then tries to carjack the, the owner of this, um, of this uh, store. Okay, so he's trying to pull her out of the car. She's honking her horn and... Then you know people are looking, and the guy starts to walk away. What happens is um, some people see this. Some people run to help her. But there's a guy right now that they're only describing as a good Samaritan um, sees this going on and goes and confronts the attacker. And then uh, and she points him out, and then there's a motorist that comes by, and they end up chasing the guy, and they they. 
they catch him and they hold him till the police come. And once the police come, he apparently attacks them. He's kicking and trying to punch them. But now they've got the bad guy off the streets. And you've got the 75-year-old man who he beat was in the hospital. And... Um, Ms. Clark sustained some minor injuries, but I don't think it's anything serious. It could have been a lot worse if she hadn't been, again, seatbelted in when this psychopath came up and, and did this. But what you have here is you have the involvement of, again, a, a series of of good Samaritans. And, it's, and as a result of that, the bad guy is now off the street. The Cudahy police chief issued a statement, and here's what he said. We don't necessarily recommend that people attempt to subdue violent, assaultive criminals. But in this circumstance, the Good Samaritan's heroic actions probably saved other innocent people from being victimized. So in other words, because somebody intervened and grabbed this guy and restrained him, the police were able to take him into custody, and he wasn't able to go out and beat other people. Our number, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, obviously, this story could have turned out completely differently. The 34-year-old guy who beat the elderly man and then tried to carjack the, the business owner, he could have had a knife. He could have had a gun. And instead of us talking about, well, okay, he's in custody and he's going to be charged, we could be talking about, gee, there was a good Samaritan that tried to run him down and detain him and hold him for the cops, and the guy ended up getting killed because the 34-year-old guy had a gun or a knife or or whatever. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. I I think the good Samaritan is a hero. I like to think that under similar circumstances, I would do, I would do the same thing. But I, I don't know. How do you think you would respond in a situation like this? Is it, I mean, I, I wouldn't walk away, but maybe it's you, you, you go to the man who'd been beaten at the bus stop, or you go to the, the lady from Jen Sweet Treats, and you stand there and you try to get a description of, of the guy. I don't know that I would have confronted him, but I'd like to think I would have. And in this case, Cudahy is a lot safer today because somebody did get involved. All right, but there was a substantial risk to himself in doing this. Would you confront the man? 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talker text line. Is this a deal where you get a description, you make sure the victims are okay, and and then you, you wait for the police to do their job? Or do you intervene yourself? 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. If you were on the mean streets of Cudahy yesterday morning and you saw this happening around 8 o'clock a.m., what is it that you think you would have done? Would you have confronted the guy or not? Let me uh, give Gru an opportunity to line up the calls. We're back to discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. We're back, so very glad to have you with us. Bill in Oshkosh. Bill, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hello. Good to talk to you. Okay, so you're you're on the scene in Cudahy Sunday morning. You see this guy. He's beaten a 75-year-old man. He's tried to carjack the gal who runs the uh, bakery down there. Well, you know, what do you do? Do you chase him down? Well, first of all, i got to say that the chief of police uh, 
stated his uh, point of view aptly. Uh, of course, you can't uh, condone such action. It's dangerous. However, I was in the military, and uh, if I noticed that and I saw this guy making a run for it, I think that my ire mm-hmm. would be raised to the point, and especially if you got an ally, go and give him a couple of judo chops where he... So you try to try you you you'd confront him. You try to hold him for the cops. I would for sure. Yeah. Well, thanks. I I'd like to think that I would as as well. I mean, here now let me share a couple texts with you, Jeff. As a female grad student in my early twenties, I can confidently say I would have used my concealed carry to respond to that situation. I believe everybody is responsible for their own safety, and that the Good Samaritan was in the right in this situation to make safe communities. It has to start with us. That's from Andrea. Um, Jeff, I feel like one of the biggest issues with the world today is the fact that people don't. Stay Step in when they see stuff like this happening. Depending on the, the neighborhood and the circumstances, I like to think I would step in. If I felt it was incredibly unsafe, I would call the police and just stay out of it. I, I mean, I think that's, I think that's that's a reasonable sort of position. Of obviously. Obviously, nobody is telling you, you know, run into a hail of bullets or something. Here's another text. Jeff, you have to help. Otherwise, we have lost all humanity. I think that's... I think that's, you know, one of the one of the, the underlying things that's going on there. And whenever I talk about this, I always inevitably get the text or the email saying, well, you're out there promoting vigilanteism. You're promoting people to take the law in their own hand. And, and no, I'm I'm not. What I'm, I'm saying is that, to, I mean, you know, Hillary Clinton said it takes a village. And in some respects, it, it does take a village if you're trying to, you know, deal with the criminal element here. I mean, what what happened? I Look, I, I don't know what this guy was doing. Sounds like he was, you know, behaving in a psychotic fashion. He attacks a 75-year-old man. He tries to carjack this lady outside of her business. There's no question that if he would have been able to get away, he would have showed up later that day attacking someone else. And who knows where that attack would have led. And I think the thing that you always have to ask is, okay, if they hadn't caught him and held him for the police Sunday morning, you know, and, and he shows up in a park or some other public place, and the next attack results in an even more serious injury, and it turns out that that's an injury to your a family member of yours or something, and then you find out, oh, gosh, this guy was doing the same thing earlier in the day, and people kind of turn their head and let him walk away. I don't know how you live with yourself in that circumstance. Now, obviously you you got to be smart about it. And, and nobody is saying that if he's carrying a gun that you take him on or he's carrying a knife that you take him on. But in this particular situation, I kind of get the idea that there were there were a lot of people in that community that were around. People saw this. Um, you had people that were, you know, tending to the lady outside her business. You had people that were tending to the elderly man that he beat up. And the bottom line in this particular situation is because you had – you know, people who were willing to stand up and intervene in this fashion. You have a dangerous person who's off the street, and that is a very, very good thing. This is Jeff Wagner. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. So very glad to have you with us. 
Okay, so Melissa, here's here's another one of my like troubling little stories from from my past. Um, the Milwaukee Athletic Club, which is downtown, it's on North Broadway. The Mac. It's the Milwaukee Athletic. Oh, Athletic. Yeah, okay, and gotcha. it's it's on Broadway, and it's it's just been. It's apparently been sold for like $4 million, and they're going to do the, these massive renovations and stuff. The, this goes back to my days as a federal prosecutor. The Milwaukee Athletic Club had, had a pool, and the, the pool, and I don't know if they had multiple pools. I never belonged, but they had this one pool that was exclusively for men. And they allowed nude swimming. And this this, this is, I, I think, up until wow. like about 15 years ago, mm-hmm. they, they allowed nude swimming. I don't know. No, this is where it gets, oh. this is where it gets people troubling. people peeking in the window? Well, this like, is where it gets, it gets troubling because, okay, so I'm a federal prosecutor, and there were a handful of these federal judges who, uh, one in particular, and he passed away a number of years ago, but who belonged to the Milwaukee Athletic Club mm-hmm. and would go over at lunchtime and swim. So, okay, so I'm, I'm like this young prosecutor, and, you know, you're doing something, and you need, I mean, you know, if you're trying to bust drug dealers, you know, you, you need a search warrant when you need a search warrant. So, you know, it, it's over noon, and you call up Judge so-and-so, and they say, no, he's, he, he's over at the uh, athletic club. He's in the pool. And you're going, well, I really need this right away. Well, you can go over there. I, I can't tell you on how many occasions you'd go over. <laughs> You're like, oh, I'm not going there. You'd go over there. in this search warrant, and you, you'd kind of like walk in, and there's all these naked old guys. So I can see maybe in the sauna, but no, no, no. This was the pool in the pool. The, the pool. No, no. This was the wow. pool, and so there's like all these naked old guys that oh. are there, and you know, you kind of you'd, you'd kind of go up, and then hi, judge. Oh, hi, Jeff. So you and, need you know, like I'm, a signature. I, right, oh no, he'd have, to, he'd have to sit there and read the search warrant. Oh no, it wasn't gosh. just a signature. Oh, wow. it's, yeah. No, and so then get out. You kind of put the towel on, and you're just kind of standing there, and he's reading through the stuff while you're kind of waiting. <laughs> you're <laughs> you know, gonna, I, I'm, I'm looking I'm, the other way. I, I am. Well, it doesn't matter which way you look. Oh, they're you know? all around you. You're surrounded. <laughs> it doesn't matter which way you look. No, no, no. And it's and I let me put it like I'm extremely overdressed for this particular yeah, yeah, yeah. situation here. You know, it's kind of like you know, and it's got. You've given us a very visual image, Jeff. Well, of what it is. This like well, it, it it just is. It just I, it troubles me to this day. And whenever I see stories about That's the funny. Milwaukee mm-hmm. Athletic Club, I always remember my days as a young lawyer. Here, run over and have Judge So and So sign the search warrant. Okay. okay. <laughs> That's the days you need an assistant, Jeff, and well, make the assistant go do well, that. Well, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think I was the assistant back oh, there. Yeah. But it's not like, oh, you're, you're going to go to the bar or you're going to go to the right. restaurant. Well, that's okay. You're, you know, that, that's fine. No, no, you're going up to the pool where the... the 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 guys swim naked. That's funny. That's I'm funny. sorry. Troubling image here. Let us completely and totally <laughs> switch. <laughs> That's the other thing people are going to be talking about. It's going to be okay. You know, Wagner and the Wagner show. He's talking about you know learned about strippers. Uh, and- <laughs> yeah, how strippers are compensated. Yeah. And then did you know they used to let men swim naked at the Milwaukee Athletic That's Club? That's crazy. Club? Yeah, they, it was a different time. Sure, it was a different sure. time. All right, let us completely and totally switch gears. The Journal Sentinel does an analysis of the amount of money that um, that state employees received last year. And it, it's actually, it's a very good piece of investigative journalism. And what they find out is that overtime for state workers last year, the state paid out $80 million in overtime. $80 million in overtime. And of that, 
um, the vast majority, about 75% of that $80 million, over $60 million, was rung up by the Department of Correction and the Department of Health Services. Now, this makes sense because somebody's got to staff the prisons. You know, you, you have to have... You have to have doctors and nurses at some of these uh, facilities, and and obviously you have to have guards. And so they've had trouble attracting, you know, they've had trouble getting employees. But they've paid out $80 million last year. Um, What they say is there was a nurse who apparently made $217,000 last year. The they go through you know some of the the folks and how much money that they ended up making. There was um, again this this nurse at the Central Wisconsin Center who earned two hundred and seventy thousand seventeen thousand dollars, a hundred and twenty two thousand in overtime alone, alluring allowing her to more than double her pay by working eighty hours a week. Um, there's another. Let's see guy who was a Dodge County Correctional Institution sergeant, so he works in the prison. He made more than $180,000 last year. Over $112,000 came from overtime. Then you had a state patrol officer who averaged 76 hours of work a week. He made nearly $168,000. Now, you, you have to understand, too, that it's not just the salary, but because as a state employee, typically your pensions are going to be based on what an average of your high three, your last high, your highest three years or highest five years or whatever the calculation is. When you have the, these massive earning years, it's not just, hey, I made $100,000 and working overtime. It's going to affect, you know, how much you draw in pension moving forward. Our number is 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, look, I, I don't fault the employees for being able to, to sign up for overtime. I mean, if the overtime is available, I, I get it. And if you have people that say, all right, we'd, we'd rather work than you know, be at home or whatever, that's fine. But here's the bottom line. I think, first of all, if you're working 75 or 80 hours a week consistently, you can't be doing that good a job. And and that's not an indictment of the people that are doing it. But, you know, physically, you know, if you're working 75 or 80 hours a week, especially like as a prison guard or something, there, there there's something you're just not at your best. That's why we have 40-hour work weeks. I don't fault the employees. I fault a system that allows you know, this type, that the need for this type of overtime. And I understand that, especially with being a prison guard, who wants to be a prison guard? That's a thankless job. I, I understand that the state prison guards don't make as much as, as, for example, some jailers in county jails. And I understand that because of Act 10, people are a little bit upset. But to me, this is an outrage that we've allowed this to get to the point where the staff shortages are so severe that you you have to have this much overtime. Now, obviously, the prisons have to be staffed, but you know 
you should figure out what needs to be done. And if this means that you need to raise salaries and offer better benefits, I think you've got to raise salaries and offer better benefits because you can't expect people, even if they volunteer, to be at their best if they're consistently working 65 or 70 or 80 hours a week. Secondly, if you're paying people time and a half plus the kick that it goes to pensions, you're costing the taxpayers a fortune. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Obviously, I think... Public employee wages need to be competitive. And if that means that you've got to raise the wages of prison guards to attract people to do the job, that should be priority one from the new governor and from the Republican legislature. Am I missing something? 414-799-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I guarantee you, in private industry, if you were looking at that type of overtime expense, I guarantee you that the people, the auditors, would be saying, we can't be shelling out all this in overtime year after year after year. 414-799-1620, do we need to get a handle on overtime? And does that mean you need to make the job more attractive financially? My answer would be yes. 414-799-1620, particularly for these two problem areas. It's not all across state government, but, you know, obviously we're not paying enough to attract prison guards to get people to do the job, and that's got to stop. We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. 414-799-1620 is the number if you want to join us. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. <laughs> We're back. Look, sometimes it, it makes business sense to use overtime instead of hiring full-time workers that you got to pay benefits for. You know, if you've got a temporary project or something like that, hey, we've got this special order, we're going to use overtime for a month, but then it's going to go back to normal after that month. It makes sense. That's not what's going on in Wisconsin, particularly when it's looking at the prison system, where they, they just don't have enough guards. They're not bringing enough correctional officers in, and as a result, they're, they're stuck with using all this overtime. They're shelling out millions and millions of dollars, and, and I candidly, I, I just don't, I don't believe, no matter who you are, I don't believe that you can work 75 and 80 hours a week, week after week after week, and, and be performing at your best. They need to figure out a way to hire more people for these undesirable jobs. And if that means jacking up the amount of starting salary or figuring out bonuses to retain people, it's way past time to do that. Keith in Fond du Lac. Keith, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Keith. I just wanted to comment on this. I retired as a captain from Wisconsin Department of Corrections after 36 years. I was a couple years ago. Uh, the overtime rate for the Department of Corrections is phenomenal. Um, I worked at the Dodge Correctional Institution, which has a staff of a little over 400 correctional officers. Uh, last count, they were 95 officers short at that institution. So they're they're um, operating at, at 75% of staffing, essentially. 75% of capacity, but you still have to fill 100% of positions. Right. You know, it's not like a factory where you can shut the machine off at the end of the shift and go home. Right. Those positions have to be staffed. Uh, as far as solutions, uh, I was lucky enough that I was invited to speak in different states last year, and it's, it's like this in every state. Correctional officers on a state level are vastly underpaid. Uh, I think the only solution they ever really have is to get their pay rate up mm -hmm. there so it's equitable 
with colonies and things of that nature. Yeah, that's something, Keith, um, that a lot of people don't realize, that many of the counties that operate their own jails, you, you can go to work for the county and make more money than the state correctional guards can. So, And you can argue that... It's it's maybe even even a more desirable place to work at some of these county jails than to work at Wapan or or Dodge Correctional or some of these other places. Well, you know, not only that, I I always use the example when I speak at places. Uh, in Wapan, you've got three major prisons there. Now, a new correctional officer starts out at a little under seventeen dollars an hour. Fifteen miles away, you have the Walmart distribution center in Beaver Dam that starts out at eighteen dollars an hour. <laughs> right. For that $18 an hour, you don't have to work weekends, you don't have to work holidays, you don't have to worry about being assaulted, having bodily fluids thrown on you. Yeah, yeah you don't have you to know, deal with people who are in prison for 20 years, yeah. Exactly. So which job is going to be more desirable, particularly to young people? Mm-hmm. Now, the state pension is still great. I've been on it for two years. I've got to say, I certainly can't complain about it. But when you're a young person, you don't consider the long run. You consider the short term. And in the short term, if you can make a few dollars an hour somewhere else, that's what you're going to do. Right. Being a correctional officer is a pretty thankless job. You mentioned that numerous times, how it's a thankless job. You know, it was a job that I I didn't really choose to do it. I was waiting to be hired for police department, and I got the job working in corrections, and I really enjoyed it. So I stuck with it for 36 years. I still work as a police officer on the side. Right. Because I'm just not ready to throw in the towel yet. But until they get the pay up there, it, it's really not going to attract people. What do you think they'd have to pay? What do you think they'd have to pay to be competitive and get the – and obviously they're, they're screening. You can't just hire anybody off the street. I mean, you have to background checks and things like that. What do you think they'd have to raise it to to be attractive? Well, you know, one of the things you're talking about is the background checks and the screening. Uh, that, that's gone way down simply to attract people. One thing I think they need to raise their standards. They need to raise their educational level. And I would say a minimum of $21 an hour. Okay. You're going to attract people. That's okay. going to be making more than they're making working in the factory of Mercury Marine or wherever else, plus they're going to have the benefits. Got so. it. Okay, no, thanks for the call, Keith. I, I, and I, look, I, I don't disagree. I mean, the, you, you can't. I, this is a, I do this topic almost every year when these stories come out. It's just, it's frustrating to me because, I mean, over time, for a, I mean, like I say, overtime in short bursts makes sense to me. But that's not what's going on. We we have a system that depends on on overtime. And again, I'm not faulting the people. If if somebody's willing to work 80 hours a week, okay, fine. But you shouldn't have a system that allows people or makes people work that time. Um, Raina in Milwaukee, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi. I think one of the things that we have forgotten is that there were also um, hiring freezes under the last governor, and wage freezes. Mm-hmm. So what that you've created is the system that you have. Um, now you have a system where if there's mandatory overtime, and so somebody comes in thinking that they're only going to work eight hours, they end up working 16, mm-hmm. and then people call in sick because they know the only way that they're going to get an extra day off is to call in sick. So now you've created this never-ending system where people have to work overtime because something calls them sick right and that's the only way you can get time off right right no and it and and it's and it's just a mess and what happens too is people burn out after a while and then they start to leave and then it gets to be a vicious cycle there's i it, it would you agree with me that it can't go on the way it is right now no it shouldn't go on the way it has 
Yeah. They need to hire more people. Right. And, and, and you're right. You're going to have to increase wages in order to compete. Yeah, and, and that's just, I mean, thanks, and that, that's just the reality. Now, this whole, the thanks for calling. And again, this, this overtime problem isn't, again, the vast majority, that 75% of the overtime comes from the Department of Correction and the Department of, of Health Services, which is kind of related to that because you, like Keith was saying, you can't just shut down a machine. So it, this is a concentrated problem. It's not statewide. But it is a problem. And again, this is one where whether it's Governor Tony Evers or whether it's the Republicans who control the Assembly and the Senate, this is one where everybody should get together and say, look, we got to come up with a more efficient way of dealing with this. And if that means we have to pay people more to get them to consider being correctional officers, well, then you got to pay people more because you're paying them regardless. In this case, you're paying people for overtime, and that's costing you a bunch of money, not just out of pocket, but also for pensions. This is Jeff Wagner. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. This really is a, a, a very serious situation on the freeway. If you're just tuning in, I-94 northbound it is shut down at the Ryan Road exit. There's a, looks like a truck just a little bit north of the exit that was completely and totally engulfed in flames. Big billowing you know, black smoke. Now, a fire truck in the last couple of minutes just arrived on the scene, and they're they're trying to extinguish the fire. You see big pillows of white smoke. But, you know, they're, the road, the freeway northbound, completely closed, and they're diverting three lanes of traffic off the Ryan Road exit. Traffic southbound is moving extremely, extremely slowly uh, because, obviously, well, there's billowing smoke all over, and you've got uh, the, the gapers block and things like that. 414-799-1620. Rick in Caledonia. Rick, hello. Jeff, Rick. how are you? I am well, thank you. Now, you're where are you? Okay, I, uh, I'm i just, I'm down into almost to, to Kenosha now. Okay. But I went past this, I went past the scene about, I don't know, 10 minutes ago. And as I was going by, I, I, I saw the police, one of a sheriff passed me going south, uh, right about at the airport. And then when I finally got up there, I, I figured there was something going on. I saw smoke, but I thought it was from the construction. Well, right. it turns out it was like, it looks like a Brinks truck, uh, a bigger body truck. It was a big square body. I don't know if it was maybe like something for a drywall contract. I, I don't know. Yeah. It's like a big construction vehicle or a Brinks vehicle completely burnt down to the it was burnt down to the to the frame now there was nothing left of it or even already you know 20 minutes ago when i went by how far okay so traffic is moving you're heading southbound so obviously you, yep. you've been moving how far is the traffic backed up northbound all right when i got when I, it was backed up to highway uh i it was seven mile road i think comes next comes g or k okay but it was closing in it was already back two mile or two exits past okay yeah. seven miles so that's back to g or k yeah so the bottom line is um at least for the time being if you've got to come northbound and you're listening to us you want no part of i-94 <laughs> if, no if you're south Correct. of ryan road you want no part of that if you're coming northbound right. and there was and there was nothing getting by everything was stopped the the, the yeah. The sheriff's had it blocked off, and I did see a bunch of uh, a, a bunch of stuff like that when the truck was in an accident, like the bed had opened up because there was debris, like construction tools okay. and all that kind of stuff scattered all over the freeway. Before 
I, or, you know, after I passed the burnt out truck. So there must have been some sort of an incident and he spilled all kinds of stuff on the road and then crashed. Got it. Okay. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, I mean, the, the road, there's nothing getting by and there, there's not going to be anything getting by for a, a while. Like I say, there's two fire trucks on the road. And if, if you're trying to come northbound, and you're south of the Ryan Road exit, uh, and you're trying to come northbound on I-94, you're not going to be able to do it, at least. And, they're again, they've got three lanes of traffic, and they're trying to divert them off at Ryan Road, but that that's that's crawling as well. 414-799-1620. Steve, um, who's calling us from I-94. Hi, Steve. Hey, how you doing, Jeff? Real well, thank you. Where are you, and what did you see? Well, I'm up by 94 now, up on the other end. But okay. I went through there when it was on fire. I got a gas tanker, so I wanted to get out of there. Yeah. <laughs> and I got off on Ryan Road, and everybody was trying to get off there, and uh, Oak Creek Police had the on-ramp closed off, so we couldn't get back on the freeway there. Okay. For what reason, I have no idea, because the accident was south of the Ryan Road. Okay. So, what so did, I flipped yeah. the U-turn, and I went anyways. <laughs> right. What did, what did you... Okay, what did what did you see? I mean, the, the last report was it, it looks like it, it looks like a smaller truck um, that, that's on it fire. Was like a, it was like about an F three fifty F four fifty steak truck, six wheeler. Okay, okay six wheeler, yeah. Okay, that had oh, a bunch of stuff in the back that was all over, scattered all over the road, and everybody was driving by in the left lane before the cops got there. Right, and running over that stuff, and I wouldn't want to run my tires over that stuff. Uh, no, not at all. No, thanks for calling. Now, and now again, and now the the freeway is completely shut off. So I mean, this is, and I know we're push, it's it's going on three o'clock. I know lots of people who commute from Milwaukee down to Kenosha and Racine and stuff. There, you know, if you're trying to get off work early, it's don't take the freeway. Don't take I ninety four because. It looks to me like it's, this is going to be a while. Like I say, the fire truck just got there. Jim in Oak Creek. Jim, you're on WTMJ. Well, good afternoon, Jeff. Hi, Thanks Jim. for taking my call. Thanks for calling. Well, I'm out here on I-94, unfortunately, northbound. Oh. Um, yeah, I'm stuck in, the, in this wonderful whatever <laughs> you want to call it out here. Mess. Haven't gotten to the accident scene yet. Uh, I'm just a little ways down the road from the colders and... Uh, I've had to get out of the way a couple times now for sheriffs and and whatnot. It looks like, yeah, they are shutting the freeway down to a degree here on the northbound side. Mm -hmm. Traffic seems to be flowing okay or whatever on the southbound side, slow, but flowing nevertheless. I'm still seeing white smoke and and whatnot. I mean, I haven't been able to see much else. How far do you think you're away from the Ryan Road exit? Um, I can see the bridge from here. Okay. All right. How long have you been stuck in this? If I can ask, <laughs> uh, I have been out here now for a good forty minutes. Yeah, yeah, and it's um, um, yeah because I'm I'm looking at the pictures. Our camera is looking the other way, so I can <laughs> I I could probably pick out your car maybe down the down the road. Well, I'm yeah. in the car. I'm in a rig. <laughs> okay, all right. Uh, so they've got you know, and, and what's of course going on is you've got three lanes of traffic, and so what they're trying to do is they're trying to force all you know get all three lanes off to go off that one lane um exit it's um i wish i had good news for you my friend i'm i just i guess patience in this particular case eventually i gotta get up to lamira so i'll get there sooner or later good enough thanks for calling i appreciate it yeah it's it's just again 
we, we, we do this from time to time, sort of as an electronic town hall. And I, I understand that if you're listening to me up in Green Bay or in Appleton, or in this case, if you're listening to me in Mequon or West Bend, you're going, why are we talking about this? Well, because this is, it, it's a major, this is a major thing, freeway shutdown, and it looks to me like it's going to be for a while. Wyatt, who is calling us from the Ryan Road area. Hi, Wyatt. Hi. Yeah, I just uh, was over the Ryan Road overpass. Uh, I got off the freeway when you when I heard your announcement that there was an accident. Okay. Uh, yeah, all, every lane is closed. Uh, white smoke was coming out of it. Looked like a truck. I couldn't see from the overpass. Um, but I would definitely recommend your viewers or listeners to get off on uh, Highway G or Highway K and take the frontage roads. Yeah, yeah, because this is, and and again, it looks to me like it's not going to. I mean, the the truck is still on fire. Whatever is on fire is still on fire, and then you've got to clean it up. And I don't, we don't know exactly what happened, but it is, it's a flat out mess. And again, traffic is crawling southbound, but it's, but it's at least moving southbound. Northbound, it's not going anywhere. Why? Thanks for joining us. I appreciate it. Um, so, bottom line, it's just a mess on the roadways, and. It, I, mean, I don't want to speculate. They're, they're showing, see, there's a semi that's stopped a little bit past this vehicle that's on fire. And um, I, I don't I don't know if the, looks like maybe the semi and the, and the other truck had kind of tangled. Don't know for sure exactly. All I know is it's a mess. If you're coming northbound from Kenosha or Racine heading to Milwaukee, you want to be any place but um, on I-94 right now. And I hope my friends who work in Racine are listening to the program right now. All right, back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. This is Jeff Wagner on WGMJ. So very glad to have you with us. So grew who's producing the show today and always. Are you freaked out by the fact that the Bucks did a face plant yesterday and just got crunched? It was uh, it was a little worrying. Yeah. Okay. Let's see. All right. Here 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 is the deal. I am going to be I'm I'm going to be the voice of calm here, and that uh, I mean they were they were manhandled by the Boston Celtics. But here's the thing: it is one game, and I'm not trying to be Pollyanna about this. And of course, you you blow the whole home court advantage, but. Does it really make that much difference if you lose by 22 or you lose by two? In the last, I, the, the bottom line is they had a bad game, and, and everybody has bad games. And it's not like they weren't competitive with Boston during the regular season. They just had a, a bad game, and I think it's way too early to push the freakout button. Now, having said that, obviously you you got a Tuesday night tomorrow night becomes a must win game because you lose two at home and statistically your chances of you know winning four out of the next five are are, are down dramatically but I think it's a good solid team they're the best record in the NBA and they just had a bad game we all have bad games from day time to time I even have a bad radio show every once in a while I don't try that way it's just some days you eat the bear and some days the bear eats you, and for the Bucks playing the Celtics on Sunday, they were bear chow. That's just what exactly what they were. But but there's no reason to panic. Now, if you want to be more concerned, um, the Brewers. Uh, the I mean, look, I I understand they're a game above 500, but the, the bottom line of all this is that this the pitching staff in general and the bullpen in particular is a dumpster fire. And unless they do something, I mean, yesterday they come back, they tie the game two to two, bring in relievers, boom! All of a sudden they're losing five to two. Um, they darn near lost the game on Saturday night. For those of us who are huge, die-hard Brewers fans, I'm going to two games this week. 
uh, you you know, they got to do something. And this idea that don't panic, it's early in the season. Well, okay, the season's about 20% over, and you're seeing the same fundamental flaws. And they, they've got to, I don't know what the answer is. That's what they pay David Stearns the big money for. But I'm more concerned about the Brewers and the need to do something about their pitching staff. Because like I say, I think that's a fundamental problem. The Bucks just had a bad game. Hope that to be the case. And I'm pretty confident the Bucks are going to respond really well. At least I certainly hope so uh, tomorrow night. I think they're too good a team to, to not. I think the Brewers are too good a team to be where they are right now. Need to get a couple of pitchers. Big development over the weekend, of course, was that Wisconsin was at the center of of the political um, epi- we were the political epicenter of this country once again. Donald Trump, President Trump, deciding he's going to skip the White House correspondence dinner, smart move, and come to Green Bay. Filled up rest center, um, you know, one of the Trump political rallies, and again, um, you, you you saw the ability of the president to turn out his supporters and to in you know in i guess infuse his base with a lot of excitement and it, you could just tell the excitement was palpable you know at the rest rest center on Saturday night you know it was great to see those supporters that are out there the problem is and this is the problem that President Trump has in states that he's got to win if he runs for re-election. You know, the Pennsylvanias and the Minnesotas and the Wisconsin and the Michigan. The problem is, while his supporters absolutely love him and will run through brick walls to make sure he gets re-elected, once you get outside that base, there's a lot of skepticism that's there. And so I think it's great that President Trump was in Wisconsin. I think it's great that he excited the base. I, I think it's great that he's going to be here a lot. But what he needs to do is not figure out, again, how to turn out the people that are already committed to him. It's going to be how do you turn out those other voters that might be a little bit more skeptical or might be a little bit more you know, put off by some of not the president's policies, but the personality. I continue to believe, and I will say this for the next year and a half, this election is not necessarily going to be a referendum on President Trump. It all depends on who the Democrats nominate. If the Democrats nominate a, a mainstream center-left candidate, a Joe Biden, for example, I think President Trump's reelection efforts are in a lot of trouble. If the Democrats give in to, I would say, the lesser angels of their nature and nominate somebody from the far left, a, a Bernie Sanders or an Elizabeth Warren or fill in the blank, I think if they go that direction, what you're going to see is President Trump being reelected. That's, I, I think the question is, if it's a pure referendum on President Trump, Well, maybe a Joe Biden wins. If it's a referendum on whether or not we want to become a socialist country, Donald Trump wins, and he probably wins by a bigger margin than he did in 2016. The Democrats will decide who their candidate is over the course of the next year. When we come back, we're going to find out what John and Melissa have on their minds for Wisconsin's Afternoon News. Please stick around. This is Jeff Wagner. Plant and thought, I can't take any more. More stress, more appointments more bad days. But at UW Health, more is a good thing. More experience and more expertise with living liver donation since we are the largest liver transplant program in Wisconsin. So spend less time waiting. List with us to increase your chances of receiving an organ. Learn more at UWHealthLiverTransplant.org. Don't think twice. Call Guy 
place. Need a new garage door? Do it right. Don't think twice. For all your garage door needs, don't think twice. Call Geis or visit their online showroom at GeisStores.com. Before you're hitting line drives and flashing your leather out there, the place to start is here at Burkhart Sporting Goods. Because if you haven't seen the Midwest's largest selection of baseball and softball gloves and bats, then I can all but guarantee you that when you do get here, we're going to blow your mind. Try it on. Test it out. Make sure you're buying exactly what you want and need to get your game to the next level. This is Brian Burkhart, and I promise you, when you love baseball and softball like we do, you can't beat Burkhart. Brookfield and Fox Point. I'm not against shopping online. In fact, you can check out our huge selection at BurkhartSportingGoods.com. But when you're ready to buy, Burkhart should be your only stop. Because here, you can grab hold of the Midwest's largest selection of baseball bats, gloves, and equipment and take all the swings you need in our indoor batting cages to make sure you buy the right bat. And when you buy your new mitt, we'll steam and custom fit it for you right on the spot. This is Brian Burkhart, and when you love baseball and softball like we do, you can't beat Burkhart. Brookfield and Fox Point. W277-CV and WTMJ Milwaukee. From the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is News Radio WTMJ. Quick um, update on what we've been telling you about. It now looks like, I mean, th- there's a massive fire of a vehicle. Ryan I-94 northbound, just north of the Ryan Road exit. Now they've closed the Ryan Road exit. And what they have is they have one lane of traffic open on the left. Um, So it's kind of the shoulder, but vehicles are getting by one at a time. But I'm sure it's a massive, massive delay still. Um, They're still trying to put out the fire um, because I'm still looking at smoke coming out there. And, of course, traffic southbound, at least up until Ryan Road, is is crawling. So there's one lane open. People are getting by on the shoulder. Uh, The Ryan Road exit is now closed. Again, at least for the foreseeable future, if you're coming north,